You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 180, Sid and Jeff Holsclaw and the God Who Likes You. Yeah, he really does. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so excited that you are here. I don't believe that's an accident. So thank you for downloading and listening, however you found us. Um, I hope that uh, this episode will be encouraging to you. I know that it will be. I'm excited to share with our friends, or for share with you, my new friends. Um, we're going to actually, we don't often have conversations with two people at once, but today we're going to do that. Um, our guests are Vineyard Pastors, and they are Sid and Jeff Holsclaw. Um, Sid is a spiritual director. You guys know I, I love spiritual directors, and she's a life coach. Jeff is an affiliate professor of theology at Northern Seminary. They've been married almost 20 years, so congratulations on that. That's a long time. And uh, they also have two teenage boys and love going on road trips. So we'll have to get a music playlist for the road trips from you guys. Uh, Sid and Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's glad to be, to be here. here. I am glad to have you. Um, I also didn't mention, but you wrote a book called Does God Really Like Me? We'll be talking about that more in depth. But that is a really provocative title, I think, in in modern evangelicalism. Yeah, it's a question I've asked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're trying to... I'm a professor, so like I like the, the heady ideas. But we were trying to think, like, how can we get you know, the truths of God and make them relevant to people and the questions they're asking. And this was like one of the main ones all throughout the book. We just asked lots of questions, but this was the main one. And people kept saying, Oh, I, I ask that all the time. Yeah. 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 And as I've been in, you know, in spiritual direction too, that question comes up often. How does God actually feel about me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a foundational question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, let's talk through some of your story and um, talk about kind of how you got here to a place where you would even want to write a book that's called Does God Really Like Me? So um, you guys are currently, I think, in Michigan, right? But where, where'd you grow up? Well, I actually grew up right here in Grand Rapids. Ah. So it's my life has come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so when I turned 18 and graduated from high school, though, I needed to get out. Um, I needed to go somewhere else. And so I was in several different places. Jeff and I met in California. He was a native Californian. So I thought that by marrying a native Californian, I might get to stay in California. <laughs> Didn't work out that way. Um, sorry. So sorry. Yeah. So I grew up in the church. I left the church for a while when I was in college because I um, felt a little claustrophobic, I guess. Um, we can maybe talk about that later. Uh, and then when I ended up in California, uh, Jeff and I met after I was done with graduate school and uh, yeah, it just, if we had met each other even three months before we did, we would have not been able to be in the same room with each other probably. So it's amazing. Wait, wait, wait. So, no, there's oh, a God's story there. Tell right. us, tell us that story. What does well, that mean? I, mean? I think for a lot of us, um, like the college years, early twenties are like a big change of transformation. Like who, who am I really going to be? Um, and so for myself, I was like a friendly, I grew up like a friendly fundamentalist is what you know, <laughs> I would call it. You know, we went to church three Think times. Ned Flanders. Uh, three times every Sunday we went. Uh, you know, I love it. Youth group on Wednesdays, we were in the, the church uh, soccer league and baseball. Like, you know, it was just church all the time. And, you know, and I, and I loved it and things like that. But 
um, there was this kind of sense that God was, you know, um, in control, sovereign, but kind of distance, you know, and at least for me, not mm. necessarily a personal relationship. And I, I really was, um, as a friendly fundamentalist, I was a really like, I was a friendly Pharisee. I was really judgmental with people. I was, you would never know that, but in my heart, you know, I was very proud and prideful. And, and so it's about 17 to 19, God was really just working on me. I think my mom just prayed continually for me, you know, and God just broke down that pride. And we say that, you know, if that process hadn't happened uh, before we met, I would have been really judgy because Sid was kind of coming out of a rebellious stage. You know, she was that, that woman that I was warned never to like, you know, be with <laughs> and things like that. Uh, and so we kind of met in the middle of like recovering from our own particular God concepts and faith traditions that uh, into a more wholesome kind of place so that when we did meet, we were able to like receive each other and find what God had for us together. And so we say, if we'd met three months earlier, we weren't, we wouldn't have been in that place to receive each other. Yeah. Very interesting. So you were, you were growing a lot during that period. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What was, so what was it like? So you said you had to go, you know, leave home quickly. You know, if you don't want to get into that, that's okay. But I'm curious about your concept of God during, during those periods. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church. Okay. And uh, so it was a, you know, education was a huge part of it. So I think I, you know, I knew, I knew a lot about theology and scripture and the Bible and education, but it wasn't very personal for me. Mm. Um, I think the idea, I think I grew up with the idea that God cares about his people as a collective, like what he's doing with his people all together. Uh, but as far as the idea of God actually like looking at individuals and knowing individuals was something that I just could not comprehend. I didn't have an imagination for it. It was just that God had his big plans. Uh, and I mean, you know, I think part of my rebellion was that I'd always been told that you've been predestined to be with uh -huh. God and you cannot lose your salvation. So I was like, well, let's see how far that actually goes. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, it's just almost like a testing of like, well, if God cares about his people and his people are doing just fine, then does it really matter what I do as an individual? Does it matter whether I'm on board or not? And so I think it felt sort of like, I didn't really have a strong sense of purpose in, in belonging in God's kingdom. It was just sort of like, well, it's, it's the people as a whole and the people as a whole are doing good things. So it doesn't really matter what I do or don't do. Oh, interesting. Sounds like it maybe didn't, you didn't see how it was relevant to you personally. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, it made sense sure. in some ways, but it wasn't, yeah, it didn't radically affect the way that I, well, and I, I mean, there's a lot of stories that could go along with this, but also I think, um, as I look back on my life in hindsight, I can see that God was working all that time to call me into vocational ministry. Mm. Uh, like, like how? Tell us one of those stories. Uh, well, so in the Christian Reformed Church, where you know we do infant baptism, and then uh, we do it was profession of faith when I was in about eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, and I remember having to go before like the whole board of elders at the church to sort of defend whether I was truly a believer or not. And as part of that process, they asked me, you know, what do you think you might want to do someday? Or how do you see yourself participating in what God is up to in the world? Um, because I actually love the idea of common, common grace for all people, which the Reformed Church holds very strongly. And so, you know, that's always a concern of how are you going to contribute to the good of all of humanity? So mm -hmm. that was something that they asked me. And without really even thinking about it, out of my lips came the idea of, I think I might want to be a pastor. 
And <laughs> which in that context maybe was not really uh well welcome. the church that I was a part of was right on the edge of really uh, pushing for women in ministry. Okay. Um so it actually I mean part of my story is that I grew up with this idea that um yeah. Okay, so <laughs> there's so many layers here. So many stories. Uh, I think the 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 women in the community that I was a part of had been used to fighting for so long and you know, there was, there was a, they had, they were trying to clear a path. They were trying to clear a way. And when you're trying to swing a machete through the brush, you know, it's not always the most, um, calm process. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of, um, argument. There was a lot of resistance. And I think growing up in that kind of climate, uh, actually kind of soured me toward the church for a little while of just that, like, if we're, if we're, if Jesus and what I've read in the Bible here, if, if we're really supposed to be loving one another mm. as ourselves, um, some of what I'm seeing going on doesn't feel super loving. And, you know, in retrospect, I, I understand um, where it was coming from. And I know that, you know, there were, it felt like battling, right? Like fighting and battling. Um, but I'm also grateful because, because of those kinds of in places, you know, now I, as a woman actually do have the freedom, um, to minister. So, but, it, but in that season of my life, it didn't seem to be consistent with what I had been taught was the truth about who God is and what the Bible is about and what the kingdom is about. And so I think that's part of the reason of there was confusion of why did I say I wanted to be a pastor? Do I really want to be a pastor? And then looking around at what it looked like for women to try to be pastors and going, I don't want that. Um, uh, yeah. And then feeling like I just need to get away out of this context, out of this community and go see the world, go figure out what else is out there. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I can see that now that makes sense of, okay, this, this is sort of a, you know, you grew up in, sounds like probably a Christian family and you're in the, this church, this covenant kind of, kind of covenantal theology. Yeah, covenantal theology. Right. Sure. Yep. And, but the fight kind of made you go, yeah, that's, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. And so you went out right. to go look, look for something else. Yeah. And at that point I wanted to be a, you know, I wanted to be a professional musician. So mm. I was just going to go off and play my instrument and travel the world. And who cares about a community? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Well, that that's an interesting insight, I think. So, um, but then you guys meet each other. So did your faiths become, how did they become your own? Was it, was it during that period of time when you were meeting well, or when, we, um, I, I had kind of like a, a early call to ministry, um, kind of in junior high or so. And, um, so that was always kind of in the back of my mind, but that played into kind of like my, you know, feeling better than other people, you know, oh, I mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but it wasn't until I moved out, I went to community college for two years and I moved out of the house. Um, I moved to a town about uh, 30 miles away for college. So I'm kind of out on my own. That's where I kind of really started to own my faith where, you know, and God was at work in my life, just like revealing different, um, just different things and calling me into life with him. And um, I, I kind of, Sid was like in more of a rebellious place. I was a much more in a, a legalistic place. You know, you, you read your Bible because that's what good Christians do. Mm. And you do all these things. It's very legalistic. And I, I think I moved just slowly over about a year kind of time of God's at work in my life to a place of like, devotions or praying or worshiping was something I longed to do so that I could like be with somebody rather than something I had to do. 
Uh, and so instead of feeling guilty because I didn't wake up for prayer or think about God or something like that, I just felt like I had missed something. And so there was just that, that motion, that kind of like that spiritual longing that God had kind of developed within me um, that made me, you know, just long to you know, pursue the things of God in a real way rather than just kind of a legalistic way. And so that shift um, was super important for me in all sorts of realms, but definitely for our relationship. And then we found together as we started dating, and I'm younger than Sid, that's a, another story, but uh, I was just finishing college and she was done with, grad, with her master's degree. But uh, that allowed us to kind of just talk about like, are, are our paths to get, going to be together? Like, can we do more together that God's calling us to? And that's kind of how we evaluated our relationship. Like, are we on the same path as God's calling? You know, and I was pretty clear with her. I was like, you're going to marry a pastor. Like, is that okay with you? And then she's like, I had a friend who told me. What was it, show? Yeah, I had a friend who told me in high school that I was going to marry a pastor. Oh, wow. It's like, no, I won't. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, my faith became personal. I was, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I had like a, a completely rock bottom experience, but I definitely had like... I had messed up the last relationship for the last time. And I was sort of like, okay, this has got to stop. Like, I cannot go on like this. I don't like myself. I don't want to be this person anymore. Um, Surely God must be fed up with me too. Right. Sort of like I, part of, part of my story is that my first job out of my undergraduate was teaching um, fifth and sixth graders at a Christian reform school. Cause that's where I could get a job because I knew how to speak the right language. <laughs> and um, isn't that right? Part like of, part of, yeah, part of what I needed to do was I had to teach the old Testament and the part that we were teaching was judges. And so here I am teaching these fifth and sixth graders about the cycle of just this incredible rebellion and then God coming down and sending a deliverer and then there being repentance and then again rebellion and then another deliverer and then another repentance. And so in that process, I think is what God started opening my heart to, you know, I can deliver mm. you. Like I am always willing to send a deliverer if you, you know, and if you repent, you can come home anytime. And so that was sort of in the back of my mind, but it still took me a while. I would say it was probably wow. another, it was while I was at graduate school when I finally had the moment of like, I am so sick of being who I am. And, um, and then it's really interesting because as a kid, I had memorized some of the Heidelberg question, uh, catechism question and answers. And so in that very dark space came the question, what is my only comfort in life and in death? And the answer that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, it was like, uh, I don't like who I am by myself, but I'm actually not my own. And that brings me great comfort. And then that was the process of starting to learn who is this Jesus, who is my faithful savior, who is not willing to let a hair fall from my head without knowing it. And just starting to get to that, that what would it look like to actually have a relationship with this God that I've been told is sovereign and majestic and on high, but I also know people in my life. I've met people who talk about Jesus as if they know him. And what would it be like to have, to actually know Jesus? And that was what sent me on the adventure of mm-hmm. how do I, how do I find this God that I've heard about, but haven't known? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. It's so all of what you just said is both terrifying and beautiful at the same time. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah cause I think about my kids and what, what are they learning? Are they, are they knowing God as, as they go? Right. But, um, but that does happen. I love your the way you read Judges as well. Like, yeah, interesting because 
in my all the books in the Bible to proclaim the gospel, right? But it does. But it <laughs> yeah. does. Isn't that the beautiful thing? And there's yeah. so many ways to um, you know, make that even bad. I mean, I remember when I was a camp counselor, we, Judges was our text, right? And it was always, oh, look, the people hate, you know, they just keep going in this cycle and it's so bad. But if you read the Bible for God's grace, if you read it for his heart and his character, I think you come out with a very different message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why we wrote the book is because reading the Bible through the lens of God always wants to be with us Mm -hmm. changes the way you read the whole story. Yes. And that's really what we felt like. We just longed for people to hear that God really wants to be with you. He doesn't just put up with you. He doesn't just tolerate you. Um, He's not going to let you go at any second. He actually longs to be with you, wants to be with you, and has actually moved heaven and earth so that he can be Mm. with you. Amen. What great lengths he's gone to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, how did that work out? Because you you described a little bit ago the idea of, you know, that you moved to your devotions being a thing that you wanted to be with with the Lord. But what's something that maybe the Lord showed you that was formational for you either in that period of time, maybe later, but is there, is there a story about, or maybe a passage that. Well, I had, I had a couple stories that were kind of like linked together. One was just going through the Sermon on the Mount and uh, oh, yeah. the Beatitudes. Uh, and I was going through like a study of the, of the Beatitudes. Um, and there was just the one particular one um, that stands out was the blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And there was, it came at a time where I was like under a lot of conviction, I just for sin and pride and just like, you know, blowing it. It's just like, oh yeah. And I, I was studying that verse and I was like out, you know, cause this is, we were in California and we met like at a school on the coast, right? So I get to have morning devotionals like on a rock <laughs> at the beach, right? So <laughs> that's it, not it, bad. Possibly a little easier to find, you know, God at work in your life when uh, you're at a, on a big rock at, at a beach in the morning. So, but I'm at, a, and I'm thinking through this verse and I just had this like moment, you know, it really felt like God speaking, like, um, you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Like, wow. Uh, and, and the message for me was, um, yeah, you're not doing everything right and you're not perfect and sinless, but you, you have that longing. You want to be righteous. You want to do the right things. And so the fact that you're hungering and thirsting after it, that's, those are the ones that receive the blessing. It doesn't say blessed are those who are righteous. Yeah. <laughs> it's just those who are. And so that was one moment of, of receiving God's grace. Um, there was another moment where, and this is sometimes where God's grace for us can be kind of severe. And I had this, um, I woke up early in the morning. You know, I usually woke up early in the morning uh, just because of my work schedule and different things. So I had to wake up early and do all my study hours, took morning classes and things. Um, so I, you know, but, but I, I really felt like God woke me up. Like I, I like woke up with a start and I was just like wide awake all of a sudden. And I had this like foreboding of like, oh, I think God's going to talk to me about something. And, and it was just kind of this, it wasn't like a near death experience or anything like that, but it did feel like my life was kind of, coming before my eyes, particularly how I would um, pridefully manipulate situations so that people would give me compliments. Like God was really showing me like, you are starved for compliments. You always want to hear a good word spoken about yourself. And you're always trying to get, Mm. you're manufacturing situations to get them to notice the thing that you did. Right. So it wasn't the kind of like pray in your closet, you know, when no one's looking, it's always kind of like, you want to be noticed. Right. And I talked about being a Pharisee. It's like those doing your spiritual things out in public and things like that. And God just kind of showed me, it was like over half an hour of just like, this is what you do. You do this with a conversation and you do this. And I was just like, 
it's where God kind of puts yourself in front of yourself so you can see yourself. And so that was, that was another moment kind of in the six month time frame where God was just kind of revealing who I was. Um, but not so much like in a mean, vindictive, yeah. judgmental way. God wasn't coming down as like the judge, uh, but kind of more, much more as like, as a father, like, Hey, like, I love you, but there's things that you need to work on. Like there's some things you need to know about yourself. And there's also in that time too, where I had this other strong impression at one point where God was just like, Hey, you know, me as Jesus, as the son, you know, growing up fundamentalist, you always, you know, the yep. sermon wasn't preached unless you talked about Jesus dying for your sins. Right. And it's <laughs> like that's every Sunday is a gospel call and things like that. Um, but, and so for me, it's like, Jesus is the savior and Jesus is God. And Jesus is where everything runs through. And I felt like God was saying, Hey, I like, you know, the Trinity, like I'm the father, like you need to know who mm. I am as your father too, as your heavenly father. So that kind of created the next, uh, that was early in my twenties. And so that was kind of like my next step into like intimacy with God was like being like, yes, Jesus is my savior, but God is also my father. Like how wow. do I navigate those things? It's, speaking of spiritual formation, I don't know how, but someone gave me Richard Foster's devotional classics. Yeah. Um, which is just kind of like a compendium of old kind of devotional literature. That's just like was way outside of my understanding kind of growing up as a fundamentalist. And so that really just helped me really enrich and get more language for this thing called a relationship with God. And so that was super helpful. Yeah. I'm convinced that uh, for most Protestants, it's very, um, I, I, I want to say this carefully. I want to say it nicely, but you know, it, we're, we're a little bit shallow because we don't have that much larger breadth of, um, of experience from the church, right. That, that comes from places like the, uh, the classics. That's a great book. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes guys. So you can, you can find it if, if you want. Richard Foster is definitely one of my spiritual mentors. Um, actually he, okay. I don't, I, Here's an tell, aside. Tell us, tell us. So I'm at Denver Seminary, right? He his like retirement party was was in the chapel at Denver Seminary, and I was there, and I almost went like went in, and I just couldn't bring myself to. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do if I meet him. <laughs> but, <laughs> Full fanboy. But I did not go. Yeah, I didn't want to do that. I need to try to get him on the show. But anyway, that's an aside. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so that's so good. That's so interesting. I love the way that it sounds like God was really kind to you. Uh, he, I know I didn't always receive it that way in the moment, but <laughs> sure. As even as I've become a father and as I've just grown in my faith, I ha, I've been able to be like, oh yeah, like even when that might have felt harsh or like condemning, like that was actually my heavenly father, like trying to grow me and the mature, me. yeah, inviting you into something better, right? Yeah, right. and um, yeah, and so um, yeah, you know, sometimes it can be hard, and then other times sure. it's really sweet, you know, uh, but yeah, and there's room for both. Uh, but relating to him in that way um, probably was different than what you what you grew up with. It sounds like. Yeah, for me, it was you know a lot of like you know our church was like in global missions and evangelism, so it was very much kind of like you know share your faith and give to the missions, show up every Sunday. So there's a lot of things to do. Um, yeah, and that's kind of like you know the marks of really following Jesus. Um, and, but the idea, and, and people talked about having a personal relationship, but no one had really in my childhood, like walked me through, well, what does that really mean besides you know, reading a Bible and then praying? Right? Yeah. And then, and not sinning, like, you know, being holy, right? Don't sin, read your Bible. And that'll mean a personal relationship with Jesus. But that, you know, that wasn't the case for me. Right. And I, probably well, not for a lot of people. Right. How do you, how do you nurture that, that relationship? 
Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, there's a lot more to it. Okay, so let's talk about... Uh, I'm, one... I'm not sinning and reading your Bible, but that's not... Yeah, right? well, so true, right? It's not like you shouldn't do those things, but that's just, that's not what a relationship would be. Yeah, I'm a big believer in the spiritual journey. So there's different phases and stages, right? So you need, we've been talking about the kind of foundational relationship perspectives and... and um experiences that we have to have, right? That those are really, really important. And I think personal holiness, reading scripture, theology, all of those things contribute to that. All very important. I would never denigrate any of them. Uh, but they're not everything, which is like you said, they sometimes get right. get uh put up there as as the the goal. And if that's the goal of our spiritual journey, we're doing it wrong. Right. We're not going to end up where we want to yeah. be. So, um, okay, I want to ask about uh, one thing I love to ask about is um, is the dark night of the soul. I'm wondering if you ever had a time when either God felt far away or you were in a spiritual desert. What was what was that like? And if you could share a story like that, yeah, I know. Um, I I mean, I don't want to be naive. I probably have darker nights of the soul that may still be in front of me, mm. um, but I know that it was a I lost my mom really suddenly when I was in my late twenties and, um, that was pretty dark for me for a while. I didn't, but it was also an invitation to something so much more beautiful because I didn't even realize how much I had defined myself by how I was Mm. like her or not like her. Um, and so it was very disorienting and very disturbing. And I would say like, as far as like, you know, to use Ignatian terminology, it was definitely a season of desolation where it was like, everything felt confusing. Everything felt difficult. There was a lot of um, sort of apathy and tediousness to everything that I was doing. Um, Definitely like isolating, wanting to be alone all the time. Um, And in that season, I think it was, there were times when I felt like God wasn't present at all and never would be again. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also in that season when um, I met someone who had been doing Emmanuel prayer practicing. So she actually turned me on to a book called Outsmarting Yourself by Carl Lehman. And um, which I thought was actually kind of a really good title because I've always been told I'm really smart. So the idea of like being smarter than myself was really intriguing to me of like, ooh, how do I like outsmart myself? Because that would be really nice to be able to sort of get below all the tricks and the games that I play and get down to what's actually real. Um, And I think that part of that dark night for me in that season was recognizing just how many games I had been playing um, and how many, and actually I feel like I've kind of recently been through another one of those, a shorter one, but like another, another confrontation of, of really coming to terms with the false self and just seeing Mm. how, how I do want to avoid pain and blame and criticism and disgrace, you know, and, and to be disgraced. Like I want, I try to avoid all of that and all the different ways that I like try to manipulate circumstances or try to protect myself or, um, and so that, that, that journey of reading outsmarting yourself became a journey of not only having more grace and compassion for my own brain and the way that it works, because he talks a lot about trauma and how unprocessed, tra- you know, unprocessed pain is what becomes trauma. And just recognizing how much unprocessed pain there had been in my life. Um, and then that began a journey of being able to meet God in a facilitated prayer experience with other people where Jesus actually came and met me um, in person 
And mm. I know that that might sound crazy to some people, but like revealed himself to me in ways in through my imagination and through my even just bodily sensations of um, yeah. allowing me to really experience him as, you know, he really said, I will be with you to the end of the age is what he told his disciples. And like to really experience that he is still here and he is still with me. And there was one particular time I'd always thought of God as very, very serious. Mm. You know, like he always has yeah. an agenda and he's very serious about it. And there was this one time when I was in this prayer, when I was praying and it was, um, I was receiving prayer in this, in this experience and Jesus actually started playing hide and seek with me, <laughs> which I thought was like, is this really happening? Like, I'm just making this up. What does that yeah, mean? Like, what does that mean? Well, so, I mean, so it's kind of, so I guess, I mean, I, I believe that the spirit speaks to us. We're a whole people, right? We're embodied yeah. people. We are mind, body, spirit. Um, our imaginations, I believe are from God. And so just, um, part of the process of Emmanuel prayer is starting with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving and, um, just remembering the ways that God has provided and the way that God has, you know, um, been with you in the past. And then from that place, trying to, how is God present here with me now? Um, and so that could look like, um, in your imagination, seeing him visually. Um, I never actually have been able to see his face or, but I still know it's him. Um, and I have a sense for what would be on his face if I could see it. Yeah. Um, but I believe God speaks to us through our emotions and, and, um, I would have bodily senses sometimes of like, I feel warmth in my left shoulder, almost as if there's a hand on my shoulder or an arm around my back. Um, and so those were, that was new for me. It didn't feel, um, it didn't feel okay at first. I was sort of like, is this even okay? Like, yeah. this is not, this doesn't line up with anything that I've really been taught before. And is this just some sort of thing that I'm making up? But then the more I've read spiritual classics and the more I've read people like Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross and all the, like, people have experienced God in their imaginations, in their bodies, in their emotions. And then it started to be like, oh, there actually is a long history of people experiencing God like this, um, which then felt like it gave me permission to just go ahead and, and enter into that. So after connecting with God in the present, just asking God, what do you want me to know today? Or what do you want me, what do you, what do you have to give me today? And then just allowing, paying attention to what's coming mm. into my mind or what am I noticing in my body or what am I feeling right now? Um, and then just offering like conversation, God, I, I sense, you know, a great warmth in my left shoulder. Is that you? You know, yeah. feeling confirmation of, yeah, that's, that's me. And, and so in this one particular time, I was being very serious about trying to work through something in my life. And I was like, God, I really want to know about this. You know, like asking a question that was so important to me. And instead of answering me, it was like, he gave me this sense that he was like popping around the corner and like <clears throat> saying, come find me. I was like, what? <laughs> and so, you know, it kind of, I don't understand what this is, but it was like an invitation to be playful yeah. in the question rather than so serious and driven. And I got to figure this out, but more like, you know what? Let's play. Like, yeah. let's be playful and curious and let's just sit in this question as a, as a place of, of wonder and delight rather than it needs to be answered right now. So that's what that looked like. And that was a whole new moment for me of like, wow, God has a sense of humor. Yeah. Like, Jesus is fun. I had never known that Jesus could be fun. 
I don't know because in the Bible it never says <laughs> that Jesus laughed. So right. I'm pretty sure he never told a joke with those guys on, you know, well, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But uh, I think we think Jesus is so serious because just the pastors and preachers are always so serious. Right. right. Well, there's, yeah, there's a way that we feel like if we're serious, then we're being spiritual. Right. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's true at all. You know, yeah. uh, I can relate to some of those experiences. The first time I, I really, that I point to that I heard God's voice it was hilarious. It was so funny. And I was in, I was like, so it was, I was not in a good place at all. And he made me laugh. And I was like, wow, that is, that's unexpected. And there was a season after that when the, every time when I knew it was the Lord with me, it was funny. I was laughing. It was kind of, that was a part of my Holy laughter, spirituality. Huh? Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence on some of those things. Out of you yet. But the Lord is inviting me to be a little more mystical, and that's that's yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What about uh, you, Jeff? So we're asking the question about um, like Dark Night of the Soul or Spiritual Desert. What have you gone yeah. through anything well, like that? So my answer is going to be a little bit different, maybe than usual. Although if you ask this question a lot, maybe you'll hear something similar. Like I haven't really had a really deep faith crisis. Um, or even like a real desert experience. Um, although, you know, certainly in the ups and downs of life um, in, in that sense. Um, but I did, and I, but I think the reason why though, is because I did kind of have a, I had a dark night of the body. Uh, so maybe not a dark night of the soul, mm. but of course our spirits and souls are together. And I think I learned a lot of spiritual lessons that I, maybe I wouldn't have put in those categories. But when I was um, 16, I hurt my back really bad. I, had, I herniated a disc between my fourth and fifth lumbar and it was pressing on my spinal cord and I had sciatic pain down my left foot, my left leg. Um, and so I was just in constant pain. And, but it wasn't enough pain to operate on because they didn't want to risk you know, ruining a 16-year-old's life. And the doctor wow. looked at me. He looked right in my eyes and he says, I can tell from your eyes that you're not in enough pain to operate. And I was like, Great. So I'm just in enough <laughs> oh, pain just to be miserable all the time. And so, you know, I, I, I literally walked around, you know, with ibuprofen in my pocket. Like I was just taking painkillers all the time. And, um, and I was a pretty athletic, very um, um, kind of energetic, very energetic person. And so um, a lot of my sports just stopped. Um, again, I was in pain, you know, so I, like you say, the dark night, and I would just literally be up all night in pain because I couldn't sleep. Or um, if I was going to go play with my friends, I knew, like, I had to count the costs. It's like, if I go play the soccer game and hang out with my friends, I'm going to, like, be hurting for the next two days, right? And so I think, and that was probably about a four-year span. I was, um, and my, my disc, uh, you know, eventually healed itself. But I, you know, I prayed for healing every day. Like, God, why don't yeah. you heal me? You know, you're like, um, and so I think in that process, in, in my teen years, um, I think, and I didn't even understand any of that as spiritual work, but I think God did do a lot of like spiritual work of like, you know, just long endurance, long nights, just counting costs of making decisions. Um, and that was kind of congruent with like a lot of God breaking down my pride and all these different types of things. And when I look back on that time, you know, one of the main things is like, that's when I learned how to play guitar and I've been a worship leader like ever since making music. And I would probably have never picked up the guitar if I hadn't hurt my back. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, this main thing that ministered to me and others, you know, in my life, I would never have done if I hadn't hurt my back. And so it's kind of like the, you know, what the world or the devil or just the fallen, you know, world meant for, you know, for evil, you know, God used for good. And so I kind of, 
I'm, I'm grateful that I haven't had another, like another deeper, at least not yet, like spiritual darkness, but I have had yeah. this kind of yeah. extended life of pain that I think is probably done, you know. Well, and it's come back throughout our marriage up until we, like, I mean, it's, it's not like you were done with it at 20. But I was, mo- yeah, but I, yeah. I was, <laughs> she didn't know me when I was in back pain. Right, we just talk about it. So, I mean, there's never been anything quite but, like so, but it's different. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if that's, so it's no, like that's physical. totally it. Yeah. That's, I think you're, to- you're right. And there's, there's ways that we, um, you know, we go through things like that and that's how God shapes us and forms us and yeah. takes things out of us and makes us dependent on him. So absolutely. When you're in absolutely. It, it just feels miserable. Yes. And one of the reasons I asked that is to just say to our friends listening, uh, this is normal. It's, yeah, it's okay. Uh, go, you know, God's with you through it and stick with it because he, he is there. And so he may show up in a, in a mystical way and make you laugh or, or do something, or he may just, he may just walk you through it. And that's, uh, that's up to him. We can't control that, but that's, that's part of our job is to just kind of embrace it. Uh, okay. So you ended up being, uh, being pastors together. Like how, I'm sure we're skipping a lot, but I want to, I want to get to that and then get to the, get to the book. How'd that happen? Like when, what's that like for you guys? So we moved to Chicago. Sorry, I took you out of, go ahead. out of California. You know, she was expecting, but, uh, we went to Chicago for me to go to school. Where'd you go? I went to Trinity international. Oh, you did. University. When were you there? 2000 to 2003. Okay. We were probably there at the same time. We didn't know each what? other though. Yeah. No, actually it's right after Trinity. I was there. Evangelical so, Divinity School. Yeah. Well, I was, I went to Trinity. I went to the undergrad at, from um, like 97 to, I graduated in 2000. Oh, okay. Did you know our good friend, Jana Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. I either had her for class. Yep. Okay, great. And then, she was at our church when we were in Chicago. Oh, very she cool. was on a backpacking trip with her every year. Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So we got to Chicago so I could study to be a pastor because I was, I, you know, I felt called to do that um, for just forever. And I'd, you know, been walking that path. And, um, and that was recently after my mom had died too. And since my family was in Michigan, I felt like I kind of wanted to be a little bit closer to family so that as the family was sort of reorganizing gotcha. the of her death that I could around a little three more. hours instead of a three hour car drive instead of a five hour airplane ride right so um but i think early on in our marriage i was kind of like you got ministry guests too and she's like no i don't whatever it's like dude you're gonna be a pastor <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make this happen you know, not like in partnership with with the lord obviously but i was like we're gonna make this happen like you have a lot to you know a lot to offer and so there was this i did spend quite a bit of time like being like hey so i've been in ministry for um pastoring pretty much continuously for 15 years and Sid and I have co-pastored together on and off. You know, we have kids and so she took time off, you know, to be a mom and different kinds of things. Yeah. Um, It started basically, we were at a really small church. Um, It was a, you know, like a church plant. It was life on the vine in the Chicago um, area. And, you know, at a small church, everybody has to do something. Yeah. So it was sort of like, First, I was doing, I was helping with liturgy stuff, and then I was helping with kids' ministry, and then I was helping with, then I was reading scripture, and then I was helping Jeff do worship and and doing small group kind of things. And then, you know, uh, one thing that I loved about the community that we are part of is every summer we did this thing called College of Preachers, which was, um, you know, anybody who felt like maybe they had a desire to explore a preaching gift would be able to preach for the summer with a team of people. Um, that was actually the last thing I did before 
but before that, when I, I ended up being the, the children's ministry director and I kind of was at this place of like, why don't we call people who do kids ministry to the same standard that we call yeah. people who lead adults? Yeah. Like, we won't let someone be a pastor unless they are, you know, ordained or have been to seminary or something like that. And yet we'll let just anybody um, serve Not our kids. Not just anybody. Not just anybody, <laughs> but like, but like we don't really, we don't, I mean, and you know, I mean, there's some pretty well, scary scriptures about what happens if you don't train yeah. up kids well, right? <laughs> so I was convicted to seek out more training. And so I did that through a, um, we were part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance at that point. And so I did a, a correspondence program with them for people that are currently in ministry positions. Um, and the last thing I had to do was this preaching class. So then I did this college of preachers thing that we do at the church. And I don't know, when I, when I preached that first sermon, it was sort of like, man, I think maybe I might've been born to do something like this. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) And all the feedback was the same way. Everybody was like, wow, let's have her do that again. Yeah, it was terrifying and also felt more me than anything else I had done yet, I think. Interesting. So that was sort of the beginning of the exploration of, is this something God is calling me to? And um, through discerning in our community, I mean, sort of unanimously, every person that was discerning that with me was like, yes, yes, yes. It's about time you see this. So that's what happened. I was at the front of the line. Yeah, you were. (laughs) It's about time. No, no. It's a good place to be, though, as a husband. Yeah. So our leadership structure at that church was all co-pastoring. We didn't have a senior pastor. So I was part of the co-pastoring team there for several years. But then uh, we also homeschool our kids. And so there was a season where homeschooling and pastoring were no longer compatible. Mm -hmm. We couldn't do both anymore. And so that was really difficult to feel like. Um, I could see how when I looked back on my life, there were all these dots that God had connected in calling me into a ministry, into being a pastor. And then all of a sudden it was like, and now you're asking me to step away from it. Like, I don't understand. Like, like my whole life was spent getting to, to this point because this is what makes sense. And now I have to give it up. So that was really hard. Um, but it was also really good because it helped me really come back to, again, that place of who am I aside from what I do, right? How do I not just do for God, but how do I be with God? And um, that was a really good exploration season of, um, you know, just devoting myself to homeschooling and not being in a ministry role and still asking, how is what I'm doing making a difference in God's world, in God's eyes? And God's showing me that it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grand, um, but just the small, faithful, flourishing life in every corner we find it is participating in the purposes of God. And so that was a really, a really important season for me. Um, and then I've moved back now into a ministry and pastoring role when we moved to Grand Rapids about a year and a half ago. So, oh, great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about the book. Thank you for share, yeah. sharing all that. So does God really like me? And we talked we talked about it, started to talk about it a little bit. Um does God does God really want to be with us? Like where where did you get that idea? Well, uh I think just so many of the people that we've talked that I've talked to and that I have felt this way too of just like the idea that like I think we know that God loves us because that's what we read in scripture and say and, all the time. You know, 
Yeah. John three sixteen and all. Right. So it's like, God loves me because he has to almost, it's like, well, he kind of has to, that's in his nature. It's in his nature. Right. But yeah. And that idea of like, but God loving me. I mean, I think we probably all had the experience of, of being loved by someone, but also feeling barely tolerated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, like I love you, but right now I just really don't like you at all. You know, that sort of feeling. And so it's sort of like, leads to the exploration of like, well, how can you tell when someone really does like you? You know, it's like, well, they want to be with you. They say nice things about you when you're not around. They introduce you to your friends. Um, They show affection, whether it's in words or gifts. And then they also invite you to participate in the things that they enjoy or the things that they care about. Mm -hmm. And we see God doing all of those things all throughout the story. And um, Jeff and I had been to a lot of conferences and a lot of, and, um, and T Wright is a, is someone that we have really appreciated and, you know, just sort of learning through looking at different ways of understanding scripture and understanding God's story. It's like, it becomes really clear that God has basically two things he's doing all throughout his story. He's creating a place to be with his people. Like he wants to be present with his people. He wants us to know that we belong in his presence and he wants to be with us. And then the second part of that is he wants us to do what he loves to do, which is to bless the world and to flourish life everywhere. And so those are the two themes that carry throughout the entire book about how from we see from the Garden of Eden all the way to the book of Revelation. It's all about God's presence. Yeah. And it's all about God's purpose and inviting us into sort of the family business of what God is up to. Oh, I love that. Yeah. For me, when I figured out that uh, what God says, this, this idea goes throughout scripture, right? I will be their God and they will be my people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What? And that's in the Bible all the time if you're looking for it. Yes. It's everywhere, including Revelation. I forget if it's 19 or 20, but in the, in the end there, right? That's yeah. what he's saying he wants. That's the goal. And so if that's the goal, it's very, it's very interesting. I often ask the question about our churches. Are we training people to be to really good at that goal in, you know, in eternity, or are we just abiding our time till we get there? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think for me, like I, as I said, like I had kind of a, a concept of God as being distant or aloof. And I think, you know, many of us have that kind of idea. Um, and then it's kind of, well, well, he's, you know, he's going to save us because he loves us, but you know, deep down, he's still pretty frustrated about our sin and he's really, even if not angry, <laughs> right. Uh, and so, we, you know, a bunch of our chapter titles are like, is God angry with me? Is God done with me? Is God uh, disgusted Is God with disgusted me? with yeah. me? We're, just, we're going through the story of the Bible while at the same time just going through how kind of we all experience life. Like we, we all get kind of frustrated with our own bodies and we all get frustrated. But why do I keep doing that stupid thing? Um, and, and so does God really like me kind of gets it at, at those questions. And for me, um, when I like talk about the Bible, it's like if you start at the beginning you have God creating a place for himself and humanity to live together. And when you get to the end of the Bible with the new heavens and new earth, you have God and humanity living together in one place. It's like, well, that's interesting. So it's really all about God's presence with his people. As you said, you know, I will be your God and you'll be my people. So then I, you know, we just started asking the question, well, what if the whole rest of the story of the Bible is still about that same thing? (laughs) Because usually we think, well, the Bible or God is trying to fix the sin problem. Um, God has to fix, you know, the sin. We've, we've fallen into sin. There's the fall, an original sin, however you're talking about this. Uh, and I have my own personal sin, and God needs to fix the sin problem. And in one sense, that is totally true, right? I'm not denying that at all. Right. But if you just read the Bible of 
well, God's fixing the sin problem. Um, you can get to this place of feeling like, well, God loves me because he wants to fix the sin problem, but he doesn't really like me because I'm still the sinner who keeps sinning. Uh, but if you, if we think of the story of the Bible and our own spiritual experiences as, well, actually God wants to be with us. Yeah, it's not he a sin problem. It's a separation problem. Yeah, it's a separation yeah. problem. It's a presence problem. And, and sin is part, is part of that. So God has to deal with the sin, but it's for the presence. It's for right. being with us because God delights to be with us. And I find often that for people who preach or teach starting from the sin problem, you don't have to get back to the presence. Like, and I know a lot of people who don't and their spiritual formation suffers from that. But if you start with the longing for God's presence, then certainly you're going to talk about sin, but you'll keep that as a secondary place and always be getting back to the presence, which is God really delights in his people. And he's, God is the one overcoming all the barriers that keep us from him. It's not us that have to overcome those barriers because that wouldn't be grace anymore. It's God overcoming the sin, mm. God overcoming the separation, God overcoming the death and alienation. And why would God do that if he didn't like us? <laughs> so, yeah, why do all that work if he didn't really want to be with us? Yeah. Yeah, I say it all the Sorry, time. Got all preachy there. I Sorry. love it. No, I'm listening. I'm you. You can see me, but my friends can't see me. But I'm like nodding, like a like a bobblehead or something. <laughs> but uh, the uh, yes, I, I probably stole this from somebody like N.T. Wright. But I often say the gospel starts in Genesis one, not in Genesis three, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. which the way I grew up uh, hearing it was, you started with sin, right? You started with this idea that we're separated, except. That's not what we're created for. And it's not who we are, right? We are made in God's image and we are loved by him. That's where the gospel starts. And then you can talk about separation. I'm not even convinced anymore. This may make me a little bit of a heretic, but I'm not convinced that sin is actually as uh, not as big an obstacle as we'd like to make it, right? Let's, we can say it that way. So we'll be careful with that. But um, because... Well, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, even in the garden, I'll just say this and I'll let you go. Even in the garden, there's sin, right? But what does God do? He goes and looks for them, right? He goes and tries to find them and he has a conversation with them. And, uh, and then even and that's what he does for the whole rest of the story. Everywhere. He keeps doing yeah. that. Well, I know for us, we actually got in a, in a kind of an argument with our editor about um, the chapter where we talk about the fall. Um, because a lot of you, you're often taught that, um, you know, we feel ashamed because we sinned that we, you know, we do something wrong and then we feel bad. So we're guilty and we feel ashamed, which is true, right? So I'm not denying that. But we were trying to kind of talk about how, in one sense, oftentimes shame comes before sin, like a feeling of inadequacy or just a feeling of relational distance. Some sort of insecurity comes in. Mm. And then because we're kind of freaked out, we're anxious or we're worried about a relationship, then we scramble around and try to find a, a sinful solution, yeah. right? So. Uh, and the Bible doesn't even mention the word sin until chapter four, when we come to Cain and Abel, it just talks about shame. They were naked and unashamed is what oh, interesting. The chapter three story. So, so, uh, and by the way, Kurt Thompson does some great work with that in his book, anatomy of the soul, which we draw heavily on for that. If you, I don't know if, wanna, yeah, if anybody Kurt really Thompson, wants to pursue that idea. Book. He has a yeah. book called the soul of shame. Oh, oh yeah. From? yeah. Maybe it's, it's that one. Um, but but so, so we were just talking about how, you know, like, like you were saying, this sin is a problem. Um, but the main problem is like kind of our shame, our feeling of inadequacy. And that's where the question of does God really like me comes from. It's like, am I even worthy to be liked? Am I, is there something wrong with me? Like, yeah, there probably is. Right. And all these things get us so down and then we sin to manage those feelings. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that's kind of what happens, you know, with Adam and Eve, you know, and that's why the devil often comes to us with a question like, did God really say this? 
now you're bringing in doubt. You're you're bringing in, you know. Yeah. Some did you sort of, hear him right? Yeah. Did you Are understand you so what he that meant? You forgot what he said. You know, and the same thing with uh, with Jesus and the temptations. If you are the son of God, like he's getting at the relationship. If you are the son of God, then, you know, turn these stones into bread, right? So there's like the devil's always getting at the relationship first. And if he can break the relationship, then the sin is going to be, that's, that's when we scramble around trying to fix the relationship. So that's why we just wanted to keep coming back in our book. Like God is seeking a relationship with you. He's offering his presence to you. You belong in his presence. Certainly there's barriers. We got to take care of those barriers, but but God is taking care of yeah, those. Yeah, God's barriers. taking care of those. And then the other part that we always see too that I don't want to make I want to make sure we don't miss is that you know in the garden too Adam and Eve are given a very important job to do, right? To right. flourish all of creation, to tend and care for all things. And then we see in the city of God in the book of Revelation that you know the the gates will be open and the nations will stream into it and the tree of life and the leaves will be for the healing of the nations. You know, we were always intended to be part of God's desire to bless all of creation and to flourish life everywhere. And so there's a dual, you know, we belong in God's presence and we also are, we exist to bless and to, you know, we have a great purpose. Nobody is insignificant. Mm. So that's the other part that, you know, we really try to reveal in the book too. We're trying to persuade people. I mean, we'll just be honest. We're trying to persuade people. God really does like you. Wow. So... And we hope that by the time people are finished reading it, that they will really believe that that's true. Amen. So. I love that. I can't imagine a more um, hope-filled and gospel-filled message. So I appreciate that you guys did that. Thanks for sharing a little bit of our story. We, we're uh, probably just about out of time. Uh, is there anything you guys want to leave us with? Um, I don't know. I, one more thought. I just do want to say that like, the book isn't just... Um, Bible stories. There's also, we share a lot about our personal lives. And at the end of every chapter, there's also like a contemplative exercise to engage in and a couple questions. So it's not just for, um, it's not just to engage your brain. It's to engage your whole soul, your whole person. And so I feel like that's, um, I don't know. I sense God really longs for all of us to hear the good news, not just our brains. Oh yeah, our hearts, our souls, our bodies—we all, like all of us as integrated people need to hear the good news. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the thing that I'm learning is how do I become an integrated self? I'm very analytic, uh, probably more left-brained, rational, linear, logical, and so how do I reintegrate? You know, my with my body, with my emotions, um, and part of my journey over the last ten years that kind of is worked out you know, through the book too, is, is learning how to integrate those things. Um, and learning that, you know, our social and spiritual and relational and rational and how do all those things kind of fit together and how can we grow and develop? Some people do need to be more thoughtful and understand the story of the Bible and other people need to be more connected with their emotions. And so that's kind of the journey that the, hopefully the book yeah. brings together. Yeah. One last thing. I, know I just taught, like, I guess the last thing I would want to say is like for whoever is listening, Um, I know probably all of us have those moments where it's like it's too late or um, I've gone too far or um, and I guess I just want to say like God's not done he's never done and it's never too late so I just want to say that I guess that felt important to say Amen thank you for saying it friends the book is called Does God Really Like Me? Discovering the God Who Wants to Be With Us and I think that message is really powerful. You can get it wherever books are sold. I know you can get it on the Amazon. I'll have a link in the show notes at Halfway There podcast. 
Com as well. Uh, Sid and Jeff, thanks so much for being here and just sharing a little bit of your story. I'm excited about this book. I will definitely be telling people about it. So uh, thanks for writing it. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was good to be with you. Thank you so much. 